You're now listening to episode 105 from The Shed End. I hope you're all doing well this Friday afternoon. Theo, how are you doing? Not bad, not bad. And like I always say, I'm during an international break period, uh, missing the Premier League footy. Uh, managed to stay busy watching the internationals or some of the internationals, the Chelsea women as well, have been really successful in the last few weeks and also a bit of the ATP finals tennis. Um, but other than that, really missing Chelsea. So looking forward to tomorrow's game. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I think I needed a break, to be honest. I'm just watching a lot of football. Um, yeah, I didn't really catch many of the international games. And um, like I said before, before we started recording, I didn't watch any of the women's football. So it's been sort of a nice break, to be fair. Um, like you, other sports, I was watching the darts last week. That was really good, the Grand, Sl- Grand Slam. PDC darts so yeah mate, it was good good just to get a break but obviously we're back into it now we're back into the full swing of things I don't think there's any international football if I read correctly till March the back end of March now so this is the most crucial um, period in, in terms of our season anyway but before we get into the episode please go and subscribe to the channel make sure you go to the social accounts as well there's a link tree link in the description so make sure you hit that before you leave this video um, and also leave your comments below let us know your thoughts about the episode but let's start with as you said some of the women's football uh, some of the uh, results recently I think it was a 5-1 victory against Liverpool uh, most recently in the in the um the, the the league for, for the women's team and also a good victory, European victory against Paris FC. I think that was 4-1 midweek. Um, two similar hat-tricks, I think. Obviously, Sam Kerr midweek uh, in the Euro- European competition and obviously Lauren James at the weekend, last weekend uh, against Liverpool. Looking like hopefully this could be Emma Hayes, obviously her last season as a Chelsea manager, but looking to go out with a big bang. Yeah, two really fantastic results, um, both at Stamford Bridge as well. So good to have those games played um, at our at our kind of home stadium. Um, Sam Kerr, fantastic last night against Paris FC, scoring a hat-trick in the Champions League. And Lauren James at Stamford Bridge against Liverpool, scoring a hat-trick as well and some really good goals that she scored. Um, and I think it's good to see that those two results came at the end of a bit of a controversial result against uh, Real Madrid the f- week before mm. in the Champions League. Because I think I didn't get to watch that game, but I saw some images on Twitter and a couple of tweets or X, whatever you want to call it now, um, of, I believe, one of our Chelsea goals, which was wrongfully disallowed for offside, and a Real Madrid penalty where the foul was actually committed outside the penalty box. Um, I, I, I'm guessing those decisions were given that way because there's no VAR in the competition. Um, so that game finished 2-2, um, so dropping points um, against Real Madrid, but uh, getting the three points against Paris FC, who I believe were semi-finalists of the competition in 2013. So they're not um, they're quite an experienced and good team. Um, and big result for Emma Hayes' Chelsea women's team against Liverpool um, the weekend before. So yeah, some really good results and I'm really hoping Emma Hayes can lift some more silverware um, at the end of the season before she heads off to the United States. Yep, still unbeaten in the league as well. Um, seven played, six wins, one draw, 23 goals scored, five um, conceded, 19 points. So it's looking very good. Um, yeah, I mean, look, this would be the icing on the cake, I think, for Emma Hayes, wouldn't it? If she could go away with, um, you know, a couple of trophies under her belt, a final f- farewell as as Chelsea uh, manager. So I think, you know, we, we know within the women's team, there's a lot of quality. Um, international co- coming up soon as well. The tournament's coming up in the next couple of months. So I think there's a lot of places um, or a lot of, you know, first team places up for grabs, especially for England and some of the, the other nations um, in that tournament. So, you know, we know, we know 
it's difficult to assess the women's game uh, at times. Um, but I thought from what I have seen of it, it's, it's, a, it's a league that's obviously growing. We've spoke about it on here as well. So I think um, only positives to take from it, really, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And two big games coming up, I think, this weekend against Leicester City and then Arsenal away from home on the 10th of December, um, early kickoff, 12.30. Um, so hopefully if we can kind of stay uh, top of the table and unbeaten before Christmas, I think things will look um, quite nice for Emma Hayes and Chelsea women's team. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope that the uh, winning streak continues for for Emma Hayes and Chelsea women's team as well. Now, I did want to try and um, gauge from Maurizio Potticino how the team might set up against Newcastle tomorrow when we do our predicted lineups later in the episode. But true Chelsea fashion, the uh, pros. My, uh, the, the press conference has been delayed by 30 minutes so it was due as we recorded now it was due to take place at 1pm it's now been moved to 1.30 so there isn't anything we can really discuss on what Maurizio Potticino might be wanting to do um, in tomorrow's game against Newcastle but just in terms of some of the players that we know have have returned from injury um, obviously we, we know I think when we last recorded, Mudrick was on that list of, of injured players. He's now obviously not on that list. So currently we've got Trevor Chalabar, who I think, if I read correctly in the week, was expected to come back um, in the team or was you know ready to go back to 14 training, but has had some sort of flare-up of an injury um, that seems to be ongoing. Um, let's talk about Trevor actually first, because I think we spoke about him, I think, when we ended last the last episode, we sort of carried on talking off offline. Um, and... It's a bit of an odd one because obviously Trevor Chalibur hasn't featured, I don't think, this season, has he? I don't think he has. No. So no, no. So he seems he's on the way out. I think this is, we call it an injury. Is it an injury or is it just a, a way of keeping Trevor Chalibur out of the limelight, out of the team until the winter window opens? What, what's your thoughts? I don't think he's injured. I think mm. he's just um, kind of frozen out the team and I've got the injury list open here the kind of status for his injury is continuing to undergo his rehabilitation program. I'm not buying that at all. He was at, he looked absolutely fine in preseason. Mm. Um, he looked fit and then miraculously by some weird um, reason um, before the Liverpool game back in August, he was not in the team. And if you look at his Instagram activities, he's out in LA at the moment. Um, so uh, if you're continuing a rehabilitation program, you don't go to the US, California, you'd be at Cobham, you'd be mm -hmm. on the recovery bikes, you'd be in, a, in the pool, you'd be doing some some light running on the grass, but you wouldn't be out in LA. So I think he's clearly been told by Pochettino that he's not in his plans and that his agents and um, himself can try to find another club in January. Um, so I think he'll be the first player transfer listed come January. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, um, his time at Chelsea is up by the looks of it. Yeah, so it's, it's, I think, well, like I said, we were talking um, post-recording last week, but it's a shame because he's obviously a really good defender. I think he's one of those defenders that we'll probably talk about in the same breath as Mark Guehi or uh, Fakeo Tomori in terms of the quality and the level that they can possibly reach. And, and and he has to go into that, for me anyway, he has to go into that category, that that bracket of players, because I think he has got the quality to, you know, we're looking at Ruben Loftus-Cheek at the moment, at, you know, AC Milan, who has started the season well for them. And I, I think sometimes with Chelsea, what we do is we we over, we're, we're one or the other, we're either lacking central defenders or we've got too many, so we have to let some go. And I feel now we're at that point where we've brought too many in someone has to go. And I think it's unfortunate for him because he's, a, he's a, for me personally, very consistent in, in, a, in a back three or a back two. Um, you know, it's just, I think it is a shame for him, in my opinion. Yeah, very consistent. Also very versatile. He can mm. play in a back three in yeah. a kind of pairing of two centre-backs. He's played at right back at times. 
And when he went out on loan at Lorient in Ligue 1, he played as a, a central defensive midfielder. Yeah. And um, like you said, there's been links to him moving to Bayern Munich, to Inter Milan or one of the two Milan clubs. Um, so I think wherever he goes next, he'll kind of grow in his footballing career. And I'm just remembering him kind of making his Chelsea debut in the Super Cup against Villarreal um, back, um, I think, summer 2021. And he put in almost a flawless performance and he looked yeah. absolutely great in that um, in that position as, as the centre-back. And I always bring up this statistic, but we were unbeaten with Chiloba when, when Chiloba would start up until October 2022 when we played Brighton away from home and we lost, I think, 4-1. So that was almost a season and a couple months of playing Chiloba Chiloba or having Chiloba Chiloba around the first-team squad. And we didn't lose a single one of those games up until that one. So like you said, very consistent and we can only wish him the best because I I like, I feel we will kind of put him in that Tomori where he possibly mm. lost his cheap bracket of maybe regressing the move. Um, but yeah, I think a, definitely a player to keep an eye out on for as a, as kind of a football fan. Yeah, definitely a hundred percent. A couple of other names on the injury list at the moment. It does seem to be dwindling down eventually. I think at one point we had, you know, nine or 10 players on this list. So we've currently got six at the moment. So Ben Chilwell, who we know is currently, as you said, the, the blanket statement that seems to come out every Friday, continue to undergo his rehabilitation program. The same for Carney Chukomeka and Wesley Fofana. And it does seem that Romeo Lavia and Christopher and Kunku are slightly... Um, a bit further behind those in, in, in um, those names I've just mentioned. But just in terms of Wesley Fofana, Christopher and Kunku, two players that I think we, we're hoping to see back into the, the fold, into the, the starting lineup very soon. Um, you know, before the international break, there was sort of signs that maybe Nkunku would be, would be potentially fit to even be on the bench for that game. But it doesn't look like either Romeo Lavia or Nkunku will be on there. But um, let's start with Nkunku first, because I think he's a player that, you know, Maurizio Potticino has, has given a lot of credit to already without even kicking a, a ball in the Premier League for us. Um, how and where will he fit into this team, uh, you know, when he is fully fit to come back in? Yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, he looked absolutely fantastic in pre-season, um, playing just behind um, Nicholas Jackson and he scored a couple of goals. I remember he scored against Fulham. Mm. pretty sure he scored one against um, Brighton or Newcastle. Um and some really promising images of him training on the grass, running on the grass alongside Lavia um, this um, this week that came out. And I think he took part in his first training session with the first team mm. yesterday or the day before. So there's rumours that he may be fit enough to make the bench um, at St. James's Park tomorrow, but I wouldn't risk him. I'd maybe let him train for another week and maybe consider him for the Brighton game at home um, the following weekend. Where he fits in, um, it's very tricky because I feel like a lot of our offensive players are playing really well at the moment, particularly Sterling, Palmer, Madrid has shown um, glimmers of um, of his potential, um, which the reason why we maybe we would have signed him um, for so much money back in January. Um, so yeah, I would potentially play him um, along uh, behind Jackson and mm. maybe switch um, switch a Palmer to more of a wing role. Um, maybe even drop Jackson and play Nkuku as a number nine. Um, that's an option. He scored a lot of goals um, for, for RB Leipzig last season, a joint top goal scorer alongside uh, Nico Fuigberg. So, um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's going to be a bit of a dilemma for um, for Pochettino as well. He's going to need a couple um, Mate Argentinian tees, which is probably <laughs> the reason why he's, he's late for his press conference now. He's probably still, still brewing his tea. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a bit of a headache for him. 
a good headache though. Uh, I think I mean I think what you just said at the end of that was is crucial, and I think I would personally um, would drop him for Jackson. I think he has to. I I, I get the the idea of playing him behind Jackson and, and how it works in the preseason, but I think we're at that very crucial. As I said at this, you know the crucial part of the season now where we need to pick up points, we need to get goals, and one of those things that we've we've both said before: if he's fit enough to be on the bench, he should be fit enough to at least start. You know. 60, 60 minutes of the game, maybe bring him off, maybe you bring on Jackson for the last 20 minutes of a game, 30 minutes of a game. So I would like to see him play as a, as a, as a folk, you know, the, the number nine. I want, I want to see him in that position. I agree with you about moving, maybe Cole Palmer to a wing as well. But I think we've got other players that can also fit in and play that 10 role as well. Um, you know, Conor Gallagher, like you said, has been doing that really well this season at, at, at times. So I think for me, I think when he is fully fit, uh, I think, uh, Fabrizio Romano said that they're both him and Lavi are definitely out for, for tomorrow's game so I don't think we'll even see either of them on the bench I think they're, as I say I think they're a bit further away from coming back into the team but I do think when he is fit enough to be, at least be on the bench I'd start him I'd start him and I'd, I'd give him 60 minutes you know and I'd phase him back into the team um, we have to remember he's not he's not played a competitive game for us so I think a lot of expectation is based on that summer series where he, he did play really well before picking up the injury Um but we have to, I think we have to be patient with Nkuku now this season. It's a long injury that's kept him out for, you know, nearly 50% of the season. So I think we have to be patient and we we can't really, I, I'm not expecting him to hit numbers, I suppose is what I'm saying, in front of goal this season. But I want to see more from him than we've seen from Jackson, if that makes sense as well. Yeah, there's high expectations. So like I said, joint top goal scorer in the Bundesliga last year and he missed, I think, a good three or four months with injury, which is the period of time he's missed now. He's missed almost the whole of August, mm. September, October and he will probably miss the whole of November if he doesn't feature tomorrow. Um, so I, I don't expect him either to come in and hit the ground running straight away, but I've got higher expectations for Nkuku and he's got a better track record than Nicholas Jackson has and um, he'll probably have in the back of his mind um, the France Euro squad um, yeah. coming up. Um, I think the draw takes place next weekend. And like you said, next round of internationals, March. And if he's kind of involved in that March team under Didier Deschamps, um, then that's probably the team that Didier Deschamps will want to take to the to Euros um, in the summer in Germany. Um, so he'll have definitely have one eye on uh, making an impact to be able to, to make that squad. Um, and he was definitely a, a player that would often feature in um, Didier Deschamps' um, squad. Um, prior to joining Chelsea. So I think he'll want to kind of make an impact, but I don't think, I think Chelsea fans need to give him a bit of time. And we have so many fixtures in December as well. I said this in the last um, recording, he's going to get game time in December. We can't rush him. Like you said, 60 minutes his first game, maybe even an introduction off the bench, give him maybe half an hour. But I can't, I don't expect him to to kind of um, work miracles um, from the off. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that 100%. Um, let's talk about Wesley Fofana, another player who's back in in training by the sounds of it as well and, and um, could potentially make a return to the game uh, against Newcastle at St. James's Park tomorrow. I've still got question marks about Wesley Fofana, I'm going to be honest. I, 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 I like him as a central defender. I like him as, as a defender as a whole. Um I, I just question his, his ability to stay fit now. I think he's in that Reese James category for me. Can he stay fit? Can we get a, a season or even, you know, 60% of a season out of him to assess him properly? Um, there's central defenders in front of him. 
you know, Ben uh, Badiashil for me would be someone to play ahead of him. Even um, Desazi as well, who I've, I've, I've criticised at times, but I think both of those easily could slot in and play the, the, the position that we want Fafana to do as well. So it's just now a case of Fafana trying to stay fit force his way back into the team as you mentioned the Euros is coming up so there's contention for him to be in that squad as well so it's just a case now for him to just try and stay fit and get himself back in into the the, the lineup. Yeah I always think the first picture um, was released of him um, running again on the grass yesterday um, I don't think he'll feature up at least until March April if I'm realistic um, that was a really nasty injury he had. I don't think he'll be anywhere near the first team up until maybe those months I said. Those months I said. Um, but like, like you said, he might want to break into the French national team again. Um, he's a player that has shown really good potential, but like you flagged, his injury record really isn't promising at all. We saw at Leicester, he missed, I think, a full season of football of injury. Last season, he picked up that injury after scoring against AC Milan. Mm. And then I think only made his return again in March time, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Um, so missed a good five months of football almost. Um, yeah, I think what's good, like you said, it's probably the first season of a long time where we're almost spoiled for choices in centre-backs. And now that Ben Yashid is back fit, um, I don't think he's going to be missed too much in that time. Um, but definitely a player that we signed, given his age, his potential, uh, we signed him for a lot of money as well. So we're going to have to hope that he's, he can um, eventually be, uh, stay fit, especially when the likes of Thiago Silva um, retire or move on from Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, I mentioned Reese James for a reason because I was on a podcast earlier on this week and we were picking our England squads who we think should go into um, you know, next year's Euros 2024. And I, I said Reese James wouldn't make my plane, he wouldn't get a seat on the plane. I want to get your views on that. And and would you take Reese James based on current form? Obviously, you know, reassess it in the summer, but currently as it stands at the moment, would, would Reese James get on the plane for Gareth Southgate? It's a tr- it's a tr- it's a tough one. I I've listened to a lot of YouTubers or YouTube channels and podcasts also pick their England squads for next summer. Um, and it depends on the criteria, whether you're basing it on the team, the players that are fit now, the players that are fit regardless of the situation right now. Um, I think on the back end of that performance against City, um, where he really kept um, Jeremy Doku quiet, mm. I would pick him. Um, and especially if Trent has moved more to a midfield role, I think Southgate might want to consider Reese James, but it completely depends on his... Um, his uh, his injury um, status uh, come come the summer, and I think if he's not involved in that March um, England squad that I yep. think plays friendlies against, I think it might be Germany and Brazil. Brazil, Brazil, yeah, Brazil is one of them. I'm not sure about the other. Two. I think it's Germany. If he's not in that team, then I don't think he'll be um, selected for the for the Euros. Um, mm. I think Trippier is maybe slightly ahead of him now in the pecking order. Um, as a Chelsea fan, it would be great to see him um, take part, especially after he missed the World Cup in Qatar last season. Um, and if I'm completely honest, he's, he's excelled when he's played for Chelsea, but I don't think he's been that good when he's played for England at times. I'm remembering one performance where he got sent off, I believe. Um, uh, so yeah, it's maybe Southgate, like we know, he tends to have his favourites, the likes of um, Maguire, um, Henderson, um, those type of players. So maybe if um, Reese James isn't considered as one of those untouchables then um, he might not be on the plane to Germany in the summer mm. uh, I, the reason I said I wouldn't put him on the plane um, I look at Carl Walker I look at Kieran Trippier uh, Trent as well Alexand- Alexander-Arnold who I think all three of them will go 
Trent could easily slot into the midfield, which I think he did midweek against um, North Macedonia. I think it was he, he slotted in, into that midfield role, role as well. I look at the left side, Ben Chilwell might not be fit. So you look at maybe Luke Shaw being another left-sided player that will go. Maybe Levi Cowell could play as a left-sided player as well. But I think, ultimately, I think Gareth Southgate would take Trent, Kieran Trippier, who can play the left side as well. He can play, um, you know, the left side of of, of the defence and Carl Walker. Maybe Rico Lewis would maybe get into that squad ahead of, um, again, can play midfield, but can also play left side, you know, the, the left back's role as well. So I look at maybe those options and I just think with Reese James, he hasn't played enough. It ultimately comes down to he hasn't played enough football. Um, even if I think he was to put in a good, a few more good performances over the next you know, couple of months or so, I still think, like you said, Kieran Trippier, in terms of what Southgate thinks, is ahead of him in terms of the pecking order. Um, so yeah, I, I think I, yeah. Don't, I don't think he'll get in personally. I'm not sure. I don't think no. he does it. All those names you listed, fullbacks and centre backs, that's how you used to get like eight or nine players. Yeah. And uh, you yeah. don't want to compromise on your midfield and strikers um, by picking so many um, defenders. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see when the selection that Southgate makes. But there's a lot of football still to play between now and the summer. Yep, definitely 100%. Um, let's move on to. Um, a conversation that came up last Friday around Everton, who were uh, docked 10 points. I think it was the first time in Premier League history, if I'm correct, that so, such sanctions have been or such punishments have been handed out um, in terms of points deduction. Now, obviously, that got everyone's ears pringed up thinking about Manchester City, who've got 115 breaches, and Chelsea, who are potentially looking at getting a, a sanction or some sort of fine or you know, people are talking about relegation and all the rest of it. But what's your thoughts on on Chelsea, first of all? Obviously, there's going to be some sort of sanction. I think that's just the obvious, you know, when you spend so much and the way that we've done our transfer dealings over the last, you know, two or three seasons, you'd expect some form of punishment to come. Um, and obviously getting into Europe this season is key to allow for some of those um, restrictions of, of, of financial fair play. But... Do, do you see us being in a position where we might be given a sanction of some sort? Yeah, I was trying to to understand all this because I was listening to a podcast with um, Lineker and, um, and Alan Shearer who had mm. an expert to come on and discuss it. And what's quite interesting to know is that Chelsea haven't been charged yet. They're being investigated, yep. Yep. which is the big difference at the moment. And City have been charged, but because there's 115 breaches of it I think it's going to take another couple of years until maybe we see some repercussions of, course it is. of that <laughs> of course it is exactly um, and I think we're being investigated for some deals that took place under the Abramovich era yeah um, for, that breached FFF, FFP um, re, uh, regu- um, rules back in I think 2013 it might have been the Eto and the William deals from Anzi Mashakalala yeah um so yeah, it's going to be interesting. I do also think that these are done independently from the Premier League. So whether the Premier League intervenes and has a say because big teams like City and Chelsea are so crucial, I feel, to how the Premier League operates from a television perspective, from um, the kind of um, the image that those clubs provide and the, the money that they bring into the league as well. So I do think there's more that's going to kind of come out of this and more that's going to happen. But at the moment, I'm just trying to brush it under the carpet and not focus on it too much because it's quite scary when you think that if Everton are deducted 10 points for one breach, 
what Chelsea could be facing could be a lot worse um, potentially. And what um, and we have seen it happen before with some transfer bans. Um, but what Man City could be facing for 115 breaches, you, we're talking relegation there. We're talking minus 50 points. Um, but whether that actually happens or comes to fruition, I don't think it will happen this season. Um, but yeah, I'm not really an expert to talk about it, but I just find it a bit scary, but also very interesting. Mm, I, I mean, from what I know, and it was a good, and mm. I don't normally watch um, this podcast, but it was the, the Gary Neville overlap one. And they had David Austin on this, this week talking about Everton sanctions, but obviously trying to understand the difference between the charges that have been brought against Everton and the investigation that's going on with Chelsea. They're very different. So I mean, look, Everton's been run in a very, very bad way in terms of the amount that they've spent and how they've overspent. And I think they were like nearly 300 million over. Um, new stadium as well. New stadium. So, I mean, they've been ran really badly for years and years. This is going back nearly 10, 12 years. Whereas I think Chelsea's in a different position, whereas we've been actually ran really well. We just haven't complied with what we should have done. So there's a, a slight difference there from what David Ornstein was trying to say on the, on the overlap. But I think I, I mean, I'm not, I mean, look, if someone buys a club, they're not, they're not buying it without the knowledge or the experts behind them. Um, and I think there's, I think there'll be a punishment. I don't think it'd be points deduction. I don't think city will get points deductions. I'll be honest. I think they'll probably get a transfer embargo. Um, you know, we've been there before. If you think about Gal Kakuta a couple of years ago as well, when we, we ended up with a transfer ban because of that. So I don't think we'll I don't think we'll get points deductions. I think it'd be a massive fine. I think the Premier League needs clubs like Chelsea. It needs a Man City in the league. They wouldn't I mean, could you imagine a league without Man City? It just wouldn't happen. And to be honest, there's too much money that gets passed around at the very top that the FA, the Premier League, you know, skim the top off as well. So I just can't I, I can't see it happening. I think it'd be a massive um, fine for both clubs um, but like you I'm not very clued up on it I, I need to read upon it a bit more but from what I know it's completely different to how Everton's investigation and the, the breach how that was all dealt with will be totally different because of the the type of investigation the type of um, breaches and, and things like that so there's a lot to deal with. it's not a, it's not a black and white case of well Everton's got been deducted 10 points Chelsea should get you know a, a 50 point deduction or something I don't think it's that easy to do that so um, we'll see but like I say I'm, I'm pretty sure there's experts looking at that and you know Chelsea will have lawyers and legal teams um, before they make a purchase I'm sure they'll be advising them they'll be working with the FA as well with the Premier League um, to, to try and comply with whatever the, the, the FFP ruling is. So I'm, I'm not that stressed about it. Then I think some Chelsea fans are, which, you know, what will be, will be, won't it? I don't think we can, we can change that. Yeah, we're a very reactionary fan base after all, so it's expected. But like you said, realistically, I think the most will be, that will happen will be a, a big fine or potentially mm. a transfer embargo, but points deductions or even relegation is very unrealistic at this stage due to the kind of stature of those two clubs, City and Chelsea, and the importance of them to the Premier League. Agreed. Agreed. Let's 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 turn our attention to tomorrow's game at St James's Park. Um I'm just looking now, I'm just trying to see if you can remember our last win at uh St James's and who was the scorers. You're normally quite good at these, so not to put you on the uh, spot. But. <laughs> I, put, I, put a t- I put a tweet up with our last 10 uh, results oh, okay. at um, St. Okay. James's Park right yeah. before this podcast. But yeah, 3-0 <laughs> uh, 
think it's three 0 um was it November twenty twenty one, Reese James bag two and was it uh Jorginho penalty, I think? It was, it was. Um, yep. And there was those famous memes, um, St. Reese James's Park that followed up on it after the game. <laughs> I um, think that was the podcast title as well for that week. It was, it yeah, was, yeah, it must have been. But yeah. not the best of records there. I no, think no, um, only no. two, two, two other wins, which included a, a win, I think, um, where Tammy Abraham and Shah scored an own goal. And then we have to go back to August 2018, mm. where I think it was a hazard penalty and a deflected Alonso goal, um, something like that. So not the best of records and some embarrassing performance in that mix. So last season's 1-0 defeat on the Graham Potter. Um, there was that, I think, Iose Perez and Dwight Gale scored in a 3-0 win on the last day of the season in 2018. So it's not the best of records. And I was seeing Gary Neville um, made a prediction that Chelsea are going to lose 2-0 purely based on how long the distance is between London and Newcastle and how cold it's going to be up there, which yeah. I think is a stupid reasoning. But... Um, <laughs> I do get his point. It's a tough place to go. It is, but not, fans, not for the weather yeah. conditions. I mean, not for the weather. You're you're a professional footballer. <laughs> you should be able to play regardless of the conditions. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, really interesting. I think annoying that that international break came um, when it did because we looked really sharp against. Um, I want to say against Tottenham and spells against Tottenham, mm. and um, especially against Man City, scoring four against the champions. Man City was really impressive, and it's mm. also the amount of opportunities that we created in that game and the football that we played. Yeah. Um, Cole Palmer, man of the match once again, and Sterling playing some really good football. But um, Newcastle have a lot of injuries. Um, I think I've mentioned this before, but my, the company I currently work for is based up in Newcastle, so all my colleagues are Geordies. <laughs> and they, they actually added me to a football chat oh, on no. Slack. <laughs> yeah, I'm the only, only Chelsea fan in that chat, oh, and it no. came, came out of good timing because they've all like bombarding you with like Papi Cisse throwback goals and all yeah, this. I mean, it was a good goal. I did watch that the other day. It was, it was a good goal. goal. Yeah. I, uh, I did give them kind of credit for it. I said it's probably one of the best goals I saw live at Stamford Bridge. Um, but a lot of injuries they've got. Mm. I think one of them told me that their whole um, attacking players are injured being Al- Almiron, Isaac, Callum Wilson. So they've got a lot of injuries. I think um, Sean Longstaff's recently picked up an injury. Um, they've had to bring kind of players out of the, that will come initially frozen out like Emil Kraft, I think Swedish centre-back that usually hasn't really played much football recently. Yeah. Um, so maybe it is a good time to play them, um, potentially, but like I said at the start, St. James's Park's always a tough ground to go to. Yeah, it is. It is, but I think this is, as you said, probably the best time to play them just looking at the injuries that they've got now. Obviously, Tonali's suspended, uh, Dan Burns, uh, Sven Botman, Harvey Barnes, Lewis Hall, Matt Target, Jacob Murphy, as you mentioned, Almiron, Isak, Longstaff, Wilson, all out. Um, as as far as we know for tomorrow, so it does give us probably the the upper hand. Albeit, you know, we should technically already have the upper hand being on paper the better team. Um, I mean, this for me is the, the game where we need to continue that form. As you said, against Tottenham, we played really well, albeit against nine men. But I was really impressed with the Man City game. And I thought when you come up against the champions, it was almost like watching a, a boxing match, you know, where you see someone going toe to toe with the best fighter in the world. You know, um, we didn't back down. We carried on. We carried on fighting to the very end. So I was I was impressed with that. And I do agree with you that that international break We'll either go one or two ways now. We'll either push the players on to, to, to continue to play in that vein and that, that you know, progress even further than the City game. Or we'll do what we usually do after an international break and we'll collapse and, and look like we're half 
no half assed about the game. So I think it's I think this is the, the perfect time to play them. I really do. Um, just looking at Newcastle's potential predicted lineup, and it you know it has Anthony Gordon who who has played there a couple of times. I play him as the false nine. Um, obviously, Bruno Gomez is still a very difficult player to come up against. But look at some of the other players. You no, know, Joel Linton. I think Tino uh, Livramento might have to switch to that left back role as well. Um, Jamal Lascelles. And as you mentioned as well, um, Fabian Shah might have to go into that uh, centre-back partnership with Lascelles. So I think this is the perfect time for us to be playing um, playing Newcastle. And I am confident that we can get a win. I am. I am confident. It all depends on the lineup as always. But um, one thing I wanted to ask you as well, because I did read this on, on the internet last week, was that we haven't seen... Um, the 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 um awake it this season I don't think have we I think the I think the women's team have used it once but I don't think we've used it I don't think we've used our yeah. uh, the navy yeah, kit we haven't no it's funny you mentioned that to my brother literally just got it today in the Black Friday sales yeah yep um so yeah he he got it and I, so I saw it and I said oh I haven't seen this yet and I was looking at our upcoming games thinking when is the next time we could potentially wear this I think it would clash with um, Newcastle's black and yeah, white yeah it will yeah it will but I think. Lord, I think the next time we could realistically wear it might be away to Everton, I believe. Yes. Uh, I yeah. think um, in the build up to Christmas, I think that will be the next time we probably see it um, live on TV with the men's uh, senior um, team. Um, but I think tomorrow we'll just stick to our, our home kit uh, most yeah, likely. Yeah, more than likely, won't we? But um, let's go into our predicted lineups because, again, um, it's always difficult to try and pick out a, a Mozio Pochettino team at the moment. But there are some bankers, obviously Robert Sanchez. But what would your what would your back back line be? Would it be a back four? Um, who would you go with? I think, given how well we played against City, I think he'll replicate that same eleven. Um, mm. So I think it'll be Sanchez, Reese James, right back as the captain. Silva, who didn't um, go out to, with the internationals with Brazil, so he he stayed at Cobham, trained. <clears throat> um, alongside uh, Di Sessi, who I thought played quite well against um, City, um, despite maybe um, being able to prevent the um, Haaland goal right after half-time. Mm. Um, and then Cucurella left-back, um, Gallagher, Enzo and Caicedo, and then Jackson, Palmer and Starling. I think it's um, that would be my starting eleven. Mm. I'm on the fence a little bit. No, I am just just because of Nicholas Jackson, and I think uh, he did play really well um, against Man City, and obviously, you know, got his hat trick against. Uh, Shame as he got his hat trick against Spurs, but I, I, I look at the team, and I think I keep saying this, and I, this was the period where we we said a couple of weeks ago that was so crucial. Where do we pick up the points? You know, we we looked at our December, and we thought, well, this is where. We're going to drop points. So I think that that still remains the case. Albeit we beat Spurs and City, or we drew against City, but I think this is a massive game for us. And I'd like to think that Nicholas Jackson will perform well, but I don't want to take the risk either. Um, the other option would be to play Sterling in that role. Um, maybe bring Mudrick in as the left-sided winger. Maybe. But I do, I do 80%, 85% agree with you that part of me wants to give Jackson that that chance to to just maybe maybe go and score a really good goal put in a, a good goal points. or a tapping a lot of his <laughs> goals have been tapped, have been tapped we'll take the but tapping. I think you mentioned a lot of those injuries um, Newcastle won't have their, their main centre-backs on the pitch mm. so it could be a chance for Jackson to maybe make one of those runs get behind them 
um, have the ball squared to him on a plate and slot it in. Mm. The other option is the man who won us a penalty against City in the last minute of the game, Amanda Broja, who's not on yep. that injury list anymore. Yeah. Potentially. So I think um I think it makes sense to start with number nine for this game and yep. not play Sterling or not Palmer as a false yep. nine. Um, but whether it's Jackson Broja, I'm not sure and whether how much minutes they get. Mm. I don't know either. But I think it would make sense to start with number nine for this game. And both um, Jackson and Brozier are quite tall as well. Yeah, the set pieces. Guy, um, set pieces. Mm. I think yeah, more need to kind of a bit of height in this game as well. Mm. It's a good point. It's a very good point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with your lineup. I am going to stick with your lineup. I, I agree. Why change what worked so well against Man City? Um, you know, if he's not broke, don't fix it. That's the mentality I suppose people have. So I'm going to go with your lineup as well. Um, start with Jackson, reluctantly start with Nicholas Jackson um, up front. But I do agree with you, good option to have off the bench. You know, I was really, you know, we didn't speak about it, but I was really impressed with with uh, Amanda Brewer when he came on against City. And like you said, won us that league. It was a really good penalty as well in terms of really winning, winning the penalty. That sort of dummy, uh, I think it was Ruben Diaz who slid in. But it's a really good sort of half dummy just to... to by the foul, by the penalty. Um, so I think this signs that he's getting back to the form or showing signs of the potential form that we thought he might have as well. So really impressive, bro. A good option to have off the bench. And obviously, if Mujic doesn't start, another player that clearly isn't on that injury list as well. So you would hope that he's back in in on the bench, you know, and he can play some some form of that game tomorrow. So um, let's let's go with our lineups, uh, our predicted score. Sorry, we've done the lineups. Our predicted score um, for tomorrow. Surely you can't stick with the Gary Neville because of the weather. It's going to be 2 0, but that's such a ridiculous thing to say. But yeah, uh, if you looked at our Twitter, there's only been one draw in the last 10 uh, Newcastle Chelsea fixtures at St. James's Park. So it's either going to be a Chelsea win or a Newcastle win. Mm. It's so hard to say. I think it could be depends on how Chelsea play on the day, whether we play like we did against Tottenham and City. Or whether we just go back to that those performances against Forest, Villa, um, and so on. Um, I want to I want to be confident. I'm going to say two one Chelsea. Yeah. I'm going to be confident. We're we're actually agreeing on everything today because I'm going to go two one as well. I think we'll I think we'll win. I do I do think we'll win. Um, yeah, I think we've got a, a. This is the as I said, this is the perfect time to play Newcastle. You know, all those injuries. We haven't really got an excuse. Um, we we do have the better team. It is difficult to go to St. James's Park, but I, I do think from what I've seen from the Tottenham game, especially that City game, you know, having that team back after the international break, I'm hoping Potocino's had a good training session with them. I'd assume they'll be travelling up today for the game for tomorrow. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to a really good yeah. performance um, from, from from the players tomorrow. Yeah, and the last two results for Newcastle, they lost 2-0 away to Dortmund, 2-0 away to Bournemouth. Yep. And they've got PSG um, on Tuesday Mid-week. away from home. Yeah, So they're going to have one eye on that game too. I don't know how much, how they, if they can afford to rotate their team given the injuries. Yeah. Um, but I think they might want to focus on that bigger European fixture on Tuesday night. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think um, things are point, favourably pointing towards Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and yeah, as you say, I think that game on Tuesday is massive for Newcastle. They're bottom of their group in Group F in the Champions League. So a win against PSG is potentially more vital for them than it is in this league. And as you say, they'll probably have one eye on that game uh, tomorrow. So 2-1 is the prediction. We've agreed on our predicted lineup, which is not that uncommon, actually. I think we've done that quite often this season. So um yeah, let us know your thoughts. Let us know what your predictions will be for tomorrow's game. Let us know what your predicted lineup is as well. Um, 
as I said at the start of this, make sure you hit the link tree link in the description, subscribe to the channel as well. Uh, and, and yeah, make sure you hit the audio version on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts as well. So Theo, as always, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Um, we'll be back next week, hopefully with another three points in the bag and another good performance. And uh, yeah, keep keep checking out the YouTube video for the next one.